Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg ad-free and right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move, or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This episode of Travel Today with Peter Greenberg is brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. It's time for Peter Greenberg Worldwide with America's number one travel news journalist. 
And now, the man who travels over 400,000 miles each year, your travel detective, Peter Greenberg. Hi everybody, Peter Greenberg here and welcome to the podcast that's done from a different location around the world every single week. One day Canada, the next day Thailand, then New York, London, you just never know. This week we come to you from Denver, Colorado at the annual IPW meeting, probably the Super Bowl of travel conventions for the business of travel, which by the way is the largest in the world. My next guest, I I think I can call him a regular on the show. I hope so. (laughs) <laughs> that voice means he's the president and CEO of the United States Travel Association, Mr. Roger Dow. Welcome back. Always good to be with you, Peter. This is your show, IPW. This is your biggie. It's a, it's a great show. It's uh, You're here every year, and we love that. But We did it last year in Washington. It's yeah. 6,000 of the biggest buyers and sellers of travel around the world, and they're all talking about buying travel for like a year and a half or two years from now with all the packages they put together all around the world to bring people to the United States. Now, when you're talking about 6,000 people here, you're also talking about every travel supplier in the United States, every destination, every city, every hotel, every tour operator, every rental car. I mean, it, it's A to Z. It's A to Z. And then and they're meeting with the top buyers of travel from 70 countries around the world. And you have 500 media colleagues from around the world from 70 countries to go home and tell the story about the United States, Denver, where it is today. And this is the 50th annual. You've been doing this since 1968. Uh, it was, I can't do the math, Peter. You're a learned man, but I think that would be pretty darn correct. Exactly. And it started in New York City with 79 buyers and about 60 or 70 sellers in the Commodore Hotel, and now we've got 6,000 people. Amazing. Amazing. And what are you seeing in terms of the changing patterns? And when, I'm not talking about, um, about travelers in general, but some, some specific trends that you're seeing that come out of these meetings? I think some of the trends we're seeing is a a growth of younger people really seeing travel as a right. Uh, When I grew up, uh, travel was a week at the Jersey Shore with my aunt and uncle. Uh, My children, children around the world, that middle class and above, are saying, I want to go somewhere, and I want to see another country. And we're seeing huge trends there. We're seeing all sorts of trends of how they get information. They're no longer uh, relying on the travel brochures, but they've got all sorts of media, social media, and friends and they talk to, and they really get the, the straight stories. You say, you know, talk to a local, well, they talk to locals. Do you think the travel industry has figured that out yet? I don't. I think the travel industry is getting there, but I think they're behind the curve, and they're still... They're still selling the brochures. still selling brochures. Because it's what they know. That's what they know. No, I think it's uh, you're going to see a big sea change in the next five years of people when they really get it. I mean, you know, I, I look at brochures, and we live in the age of Photoshop for the last 20 years. Uh, we look at brochure language. Every third word ends in ST, best, greatest, most, finest, <laughs> lovely. I mean... The audience is smarter than that. And, you know, and, and with Photoshop, I always say you can make the love canal look pretty. So the bottom line is, but the travel industry is still doing it. They're still doing it. And, and the other thing is happening. There's all sorts of sites where you can go on and get other people's opinions. Now, they, there's a problem. There but too. they're gaming those and they're gaming them like crazy. And so and you, you'll do it, run a computer and the computer will say of these 20 reviews, 18 are phony. And the computer knows. Yeah, because they use the same words over and over again. And yet, the real problem with these services, and I'm not going to single out TripAdvisor, although I I just did mention them. I mean, I don't care how many algorithms they have, people can still game them. Yeah, there's no question about it. You want to, especially going to a foreign country, you're going somewhere you don't know, you really want to get some good information on what's going to happen there because you're spending a lot of money and you just can't wing it. Well, 
Whatever happened to talking to a human being? It's exactly what happens. I say, and you, 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 you keep, you always come back to talk to a local, get to know somebody in the market. Yeah. And I'll bet you it's a great, the greatest trips I ever have is when I call a friend of mine and say, you live there, what's a good restaurant in Munich? Yeah. And they can tell me the 10 best restaurants and I don't have to go on a brochure or anywhere else. And the most amazing thing is you didn't text him, you didn't email him, you called him, you had a conversation. And <laughs> I tell you, those telephones are so important. I mean, there's, you know, because things get lost in tech. But the bottom line, when you talk to somebody face-to-face, -face, this is why this show is so successful. I mean, we could do this entire thing through technology. But no, people come here, they want to meet face-to-face, -face, they want to talk about what your offering is, what your city. Uh, the great thing for this with Denver is I bet you most of these people from outside the United States have never been in Denver. It's an opportunity for them to yeah. discover another part of the country. Yeah. But, you know, it's interesting. You, you mentioned about face-to-face -face time. And there was a time not too long ago that everybody thought, oh, my goodness, teleconferencing was going to be the answer. And nobody did it. And teleconferencing works if you're, if you're the IBM guy in Chicago and you need to talk to your sales force in New York. And you talk within the company and you do a teleconference. But when it comes to meetings and conventions, people are... I almost think they're desperate for FaceTime. Well, yeah, and uh, very few people, uh, you do it well, but very few people are great presenters. So it bores the heck out of you of trying to watch something on technology if someone's trying to give you a speech or attend a meeting. So and what's happened when people are on you know, the computer attending a meeting? They're on their computer doing email, and they're not even paying attention. Exactly. But here, how many meetings are going to be happening over, over four days? This is a different convention. It's just not passing out brochures and gifts like most conventions. This is 100,000 20-minute appointments where they sit down for 20 minutes, one day with Disney, and 20 minutes later they're with Marriott, 20 minutes later Universal, and talking about buying 10,000 Disney tickets to sell in Germany. And, that's, and the money is there. Yeah, it's huge. $4.7 billion we'll do in the next three days. Compared to last year? Probably uh, up... With $200 million compared to last year. That's and that's substantial considering that if you look at the numbers, the foreign arrivals in this country are going down. Yeah, they're, actually, they're going down some places, up in others, but flat would be a good word, but the challenge is we're losing share. People around the world are traveling elsewhere, and that's, that's, that's a problem because we had 13.7% of all the long-haul travelers a few years ago. We now have 11.9%. That's big. It's huge. That's uh, 7 million travelers, $32 billion to our economy. And how many jobs? 100,000 jobs. And so you talk about... And, and look, Roger, you've been doing those numbers for years because if you don't do those numbers in that way, people can't relate to them. Well, you know, in, in our country, everyone's talking about a new Toyota plant. That's 4,000 employees. Or Amazon's headquarters, that's 50,000. This is two Amazon headquarters, uh, 25 Toyota plants, just by regaining our share that we lost over the past few years. And how do we regain that share? We've got to do a lot of things. One, we have to get a message out a whole countrywide. We're trying, but for our administration to say security is important. We want to keep the bad guys out, but we also welcome you. We've got to get a welcoming message out. We have to, the State Department, we have to have goals on how many visas are we going to pro process. As a business person, we would know how many we processed last month, and we're going to do more this month. And I'm talking visas for good guys, not bad guys. And, and you know, I, we have to have security, but we're not, we're do, we don't have the metrics. And uh, we also have to get people through security faster. We've got to have the right technology in an airport. There's no use to get on a plane for 10 hours and then stand in line for three hours to get through customs. Well, you've gone through this once before after 9-11. Yeah, and we went through this after 9-11 where the travel industry came to its knees in one hour. And the U.S. economy followed, the world economy followed within months. And you realize how linked this thing you and I call travel is to everything else that happens in our lives. So 
after 9-11, I mean, you were dedicated, as well as a lot of the travel industry who were evolved, into educating government officials and allowing them to connect the dots, because without connecting the dots, they couldn't understand what those numbers meant. No, and they, uh, again, it's, and the other thing about our industry, connecting the dots, is it's everywhere. So whether it's Fargo or Fort Lauderdale, whether it's Oklahoma City or Miami, there are travelers. And this, if other industries are just in pockets, technologies, East Coast, West Coast, Austin, uh, manufacturing, middle of the country, but this is everywhere, and that's the great thing about it, and it employs people that need the jobs the most. Since Donald Trump became president, I keep on hearing it's infrastructure week. It's going to be infrastructure this week. We're going to focus on infrastructure. I'm still waiting. Um, we have a, a highway system that's in trouble. we got bridges that are in trouble. We have a train system that is, well, I'll be honest, it, it, relative to other systems around the world, it's an embarrassment. Um, we have, I mean, we have airports that are, that, that are not keeping up. Um, it's one thing to be welcoming, but we already have to, we have to deliver the infrastructure even for our own people before we can welcome anybody else. So what, what, what are you doing right now as an organization to push this? We're trying to get the administration, uh, Congress, to address it. Uh, every time you kick the can down the road, and they've kicked this can down the road for 30 years, uh, we used to own the best infrastructure in the world Yeah, but they're 30, kicking the can down a, down a pothole road now. A pothole road, there you go. And, but it's getting more expensive. So we're just trying to show that because of the poor infrastructure, People aren't taking trips or not spending money. And the impact of the economy and jobs is terrible. And, uh, you know, you talk uh, airports. Uh, we used to have the best airports in the world. I don't think we have one that's rated in the top 25 in the world these days. The answer is we don't. We okay. don't. Although Denver came in, I think, 25. Denver, Denver is a great airport and uh, in the United States. Uh, but still, compared to what's going on around the world, uh, even Denver can get better. And it's a great airport. I mean, you know, when uh, Vice President Biden said that the LaGuardia Airport was like a third world airport, if you actually interpreted that the right way, it was actually an insult to a lot of third world airports because <laughs> LaGuardia is worse than third world airports. And they're trying to fix LaGuardia. It's under yeah. construction now, which even makes it a little more challenging. But then you get the airport, but it's a road system. You, you can't get there. And, and so it, it all, you know, road system, train, all the things. Listen, twice yeah. last summer, I was on the Grand Central Parkway heading to LaGuardia, and it was so congested, I got out of the cab with my, thank God I just had carry-on. And I walked a mile and a half to the terminal because I was never going to make my plane. And we have several airports in the United States. That's that's a key problem. When you come into LaGuardia, you come into Los Angeles. The way it's laid out, it can only take so many cars. So you, yeah. can, you fix the airport, but then the people can't get there. I live you need, in. You need high speed rail. High-speed rail and then beyond, even some things are talked about that Musk is talking about. It's pretty exciting that we should talk about Well, you someday. know, if you land at the airport in Zurich, for example, you walk 80 feet from baggage claim, and you're on their high-speed rail network mm -hmm. all the way through Europe. I mean, you can go anywhere. Mm -hmm. There's an airport station, right? There's, there's even one at Charles de Gaulle now. It works, right? We don't have that. No, we don't have that, and Americans aren't even used to that. And, you know, Europeans or people from that world come here, and they want to go, where's your train system? How do I get a your rail pass? And we're, well, even though we do have one, we, we don't I, publicize we, we it. We have one, and Amtrak does a terrible job of they don't publicizing promote it. it. It's a, it's a, they have one in 15-day increments. They have one in 30-day increments. For 15 days, you can go anywhere in the Amtrak track system regionally, right, with on-off privileges for $500, yeah. right? And kids under the age of 12 is 250 Well, if you plan it right on vacation, you don't have to stay at a couple of hotels every once in a while. You can just do the night trains. And it's a, a very affordable opportunity for people to do it. And Amtrak never publicizes it. No, and it's, and it, and it's, uh, it's actually a fun way to go. It is. And many times, uh, I, if I'm going from Washington to Philadelphia or New York, I often will take the train because it's dependable. I know door-to-door, -door, and I know I don't have to get there an hour and a half early. I can get 
get there 10 minutes out, walk on the train, and away we go. I know. I mean, it's, you know, Dwight Eisenhower said, America didn't build the interstate highway system. The interstate highway system built America. He was right. But now, before that quote, it was really the train system that built America. We used to tell time by trains. It was called railroad time. Mm-hmm. This is not happening now. No, and, and I think it's a, and it, it, it's, as I say, the whole system, I, as you know, I live in St. Petersburg, Florida, and work in Washington, D.C., and I commute back and forth. I leave my home in St. Petersburg sometimes the same time my assistant leaves her home 20 miles from Washington, D.C. Sometimes I'm in the office faster than she is, flying from Tampa to oh Washington, God. D.C., yet she's 25 miles out, and it's taking her two and a half hours to get into D.C. And here's the interesting story that I'm following. Who's now running Amtrak? Richard Anderson, the former chairman of Delta. And the real question is, can an airline guy who turned Delta around, there's no doubt about it. He did a great job. Can he now save America's trains? It will take a lot. I think we've... uh but Americans aren't used to taking trains. They, we, they've got to start promoting. They've got to start change services. Uh, they've got to increase the quality of the seating. A whole lot of things. But it can be done. It can be done. First of all, you have to educate the freight lines that they shouldn't control the tracks. That's the biggest problem. Mm-hmm. Amtrak can't make any improvements if the freight trains don't want to let them do it. That's the problem. That's why we don't have high-speed rail. Because the tracks can't support it. No. And, uh, you know, our tracks... Uh, Actually, our pro- the trains can only hit a certain speed. I mean, they could, they could go faster, but not safely. And yet, if you take a look at some city pairs, Dallas to Austin, L.A., San Francisco, we already have the Northeast Quarter, New York, Washington, New York, Boston, Chicago, St. Louis, that's where you can make real progress and, and get cars off the road. If you look at, you've been on it many times, but the Maglev train in Japan, oh my God. Uh, 300 some miles an hour, if we had that between D.C. and New York City, it would change not only travel and business, but think of if you worked in New York City, you could live in Philadelphia. You could, you could have a house that was probably 40% cheaper and be to work in 20 minutes. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. My next guest, and by the way, if you hear singing in the background, that's because every year they do an amazing lunch where they bring in the cast from a lot of the Broadway shows. This year they're bringing in Phantom, they're bringing in Wicked, they're bringing in Dear Evan Hansen, and they're bringing in my favorite show on Broadway, by the way, uh, Come From Away. You must see this show, um, and, that, and I'm always triggered to do that because I hear the singing. Come From Away is based on a true story that happened on September 11th when 34 separate planes were grounded in Gander, Newfoundland. They were on the way when the first two planes hit the building, the one, of course, on 9-11, and there was a ground stop ordered across the world. All planes had to be grounded, and these are all the planes coming over to the United States from Europe. They were immediately told to land, and the only place they could land was the small town of Gander in Newfoundland, population 5,000, with a runway that was very long for Air Force planes, but they only had two scheduled flights a day. And all of a sudden, in one one one-hour period, 34 wide-bodied planes parked nose-to-nose with a population that tripled the population of Gander. And what happened over the next five days with what the people did in Canada in that small town is nothing short of remarkable. I can tell you this, every year they still have a reunion. How many marriages came out of this? How many kids came out of this? You know, a woman from a British Airways flight, me 
meets a guy from a KLM flight, and mm-hmm. and they did a Broadway musical about it. And at the end of this musical, you will be standing on your chairs, yelling and screaming. It's uh, by the way, no names in the cast that you'd recognize, no soundtrack that you go away singing the songs of, and yet it's unbelievable. So mm. I'm just hearing singing now. So that <laughs> triggered that had nothing to do with my next guest, who is the director of the Illinois <laughs> Office of Tourism, our good friend Corey Job. How are you, sir? Peter, good afternoon. Yeah, now I see you at all these conferences. We travel all over the place. But the problem is that depending on the numbers that you read, mm-hmm. right, foreign arrivals to the United States mm-hmm. down anywhere from 7 to 9%, that's a staggering loss. And Roger and I talked about this earlier in the show of jobs, of income, of tax base. You need to see, you, you probably see the same thing in, in, in Chicago. Well, we see this, um, we see the same numbers in Chicago and across the state of Illinois. Um, on the domestic front, we're doing quite well. Uh, well, gas just, prices haven't spiked dramatically, although they're up, and people are still driving by car. You, you are still a, a big drive we to We are a big drive destination from you know, 9 to 14 Midwest markets. However, we see some opportunities ahead in the international front. Uh, 2017, we, we were pretty much flat, um, but the numbers look promising for 2018. We see some continued growth. We just expanded our offices uh, with trade and PR on the ground in China for the first time and in Mexico, and we see some positive growth there. We're talking to a lot of tour operators uh, here. We have about 150 appointments over the next three days just in the Illinois booth alone, and tour operators from our key markets in the U.K. and Germany tell numbers are up anywhere from 3 to 5%. And they're getting creative in what they're offering in terms well, of content. That's what they've got to do. I mean, as you know, that's um, uh, it's all about content and telling that authentic uh, story. And that's what we have to tell in Illinois. You know, we're in the heartland of America. Still, Peter, you know this. People still don't know about Chicago from around the world. Well, you know what I do every year? I mean, you know I went to school in Madison, right. Wisconsin. So for me, every year, I drag four of my friends with an industrial strength spatula, and I fly them to Madison because they just fly over it normally. Right. They don't know. They they say they've been to Chicago because they change planes in O'Hare. O'Hare. Sure. Not even close. No. And I drag them to a Big Ten football game in Madison, Wisconsin, and I change their lives. Right. I mean, it's unbelievable. And, you know, we talk about Illinois, not just Chicago. And I, don't, and I want to go beyond O'Hare because, obviously, airlift is key to Absolutely. everything that you do. Absolutely. Um, and it's one thing to talk about Midway and O'Hare, but you have other airports in Chicago that can handle longer-range flights. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the, the important thing, I mean, when we look at our international markets in the U.K. and Germany, Germany's been difficult because of, you know, Air Berlin going out of business. The airlift is the key. Um, we have a lot of flights. Although, uh, if you still want to fly a 747, Lufthansa's got one out of Chicago. We, do, we sure do. Yeah. I mean, that that's gives us a lot of opportunity. You mentioned a minute ago how people say they come to Chicago, but they've just transferred planes, to yeah. O'Hare. Uh, our goal is to, to stop that, to work with our partners within the Great Lakes to well, can continue I make a suggestion to drive to you? travel. I'm going to make a suggestion. Sure. I'm, seeing, I'm seeing this happen overseas. I'm seeing it happen in, in, in Qatar and Doha. I'm seeing it happen in Lisbon and Portugal. I'm seeing it happen in Iceland where there's a concerted effort between the private and the public sector to say, you know what, if you fly X airline to Chicago, we'll give you a three-night stay. Right. Right. And then fly you on somewhere else. Well, you know, what's great about Illinois, we have this world class city in Chicago, but we also have this great iconic road trip, which is Route 66. Route 66. Mm -hmm. I mean, I go back to the old days of uh, George Maharis and the television series. And we always thought it was like Arizona, Nevada and and California. But it starts where? Starts in downtown Chicago with the Buckingham Fountain, practically in the loop of of the city of Chicago, right there on Lake Michigan. In Illinois, Peter, we have more bookable product along Route 66 than any other state along the 
the route. Yeah, because Illinois if you go west of Chicago, a lot of Route 66 is a, is a two-lane highway. It's a two-lane highway, yeah. a lot of great, you know, iconic small towns, yeah. a lot of unique uh, mom-and-pop shop sites, attractions, To me, museum, that, you road. know, you go back to, uh, to a book that was published, I hate to tell you, 20 years ago called Blue Highways yep. uh, by William Least Heat yes. Moon. It's still, it's still out there being printed. And what he did was, the reason why it was called Blue Highways, because that in the old Rand McNally Atlas, the Blue Highways are the two-lane two highways. And he drove the country just on that. Didn't do it interstate ever. That's how you discover America. Well, we really do find that, that the international traveler and the, the traveler from around the Midwest wants to travel for something unique and authentic. They want to experience something different, have a story to tell. You can find that on those two-lane roads. And within Route 66, we continue to develop new product every day along the route, all those small little towns across Illinois. Can That's I where we see our, our growth potential, not only on the, the, the domestic side, but also the international front. Now, I drove Route 66 mm -hmm. a couple of years ago, and can I give you my impression of my experience? Sure. Okay. No matter, no matter where I stopped, this is what I heard. You're not from around here now, are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, you will get that a lot. But, but you know, know what? It wasn't an adversarial question. No. It was like... Hey, let me show it to you. Let yeah. me show. And, and I think that's the door opener. You get a lot of great, a lot of warm hospitality, um, a lot of welcoming people in the country. We all talk about this all the time. That's why people come to America to travel. They see the great opportunities here. Um, and we see opportunities for growth with the road trip, with the Route 66. But just telling people about our story. Uh, we host a, a lot of travel riders uh, around the year. We're meeting with a lot of individuals here in Denver at IPW. This is one of the main, one of our best conventions of the year um, because we get to meet with so many people around the world in one location that are interested in hearing that next big adventure. For us in the Great Lakes or Illinois, you know, we're typically the, the fifth trip from an international visitor to the United States. But once we get them in Chicago and once we get them through they Illinois, come they come back every time. And so it's just telling our story in a most effective way and uh, being in the right markets at the right time, partnering with Brand US USA, who really help us open those doors into some key markets in China and Mexico, where we wouldn't have been able to go without their support. Right. And you're getting long-haul traffic now. We're getting long-haul traffic. You know, in November, a new market we're looking at is Australia and New Zealand, uh, Air I New Zealand. I know New Zealand's coming in on a long haul. A long haul. You know, they're going to be in three, day, three times a week. They're hoping to do daily within 12 to 14 months. Peter, that opens new opportunities for us. And the announcement of American Airlines and New gates, uh, the O'Hare expansion, you know, we have to do a better job. We have to do a better job of making sure we have the, the right facilities. Right. We have to do a better job of telling visitors what there is to see and do outside of Chicago to make sure they stay longer in our state. Well, you know, one of the shows that I do, one of the stories that I continue to do is something called One Tank Trips. Right. Where you can go from any major U.S. city on a tank of gas. So using Chicago, for example, as a hub. Because mm -hmm. they're going to land in Chicago right. if they're coming from overseas. Rent the car, and here's where you can go that's going to get you there and back in 395 miles. Yep. Places you never knew you could go. Well, you know, one thing we just launched uh, two weeks ago was the Frank Lloyd Wright Trail in the state. Which have, also goes to Wisconsin. It does. and was so. But in Illinois, we have more Frank Lloyd Wright architecture than any other place in the world. And the answer to that and question is, who knew? Who knew? And so we created a Frank Lloyd Wright trail, and we're getting a lot of attention by this. It's 13 sites that are open to the public, Chicago Oak Park, out west to Rockford, down south to Springfield. But, you know, a lot of people are interested in the story of architecture and the story of Frank Lloyd Wright. Now we've got a really complete itinerary and trail that gets visitors from point A to point B, and that's a one-tank trip yeah. idea for visitors that are flying works. into Chicago. Right. And you know, the thing is this, people are, are living in a world of experiential one-upsmanship. Everyone's bragging rights. Everyone wants to be able to say, oh, you did that. I did that better. Right. So for example, if I'm going to take a cruise on the lake in Chicago, mm -hmm. right, 
I know that exists. I know I can take that cruise. I'm looking for somebody to tell me, okay, we'll take a cruise on the lake, but we're going to take a detour and go into this one. You know, mm-hmm. I'm waiting for somebody to tell me that. That's the cruise I want to take. Well, you know, one other thing we're exploring, there's a new organization within the Great Lakes of uh, the cruise industry, the cruise market. Um, we see a lot of renewed interest in cruising along the Great Lakes. Uh, Chicago is a prime port. I mean, why wouldn't you be able to do a Chicago-Milwaukee cruise? You can. You will be able to do that in the coming year. See, that's cool. That's very cool. Um, Chicago is a major focal point, obviously. With, we're working with officials at Navy Pier to see if they can handle uh, that sort of uh, traffic, and we think they can. Oh, I, I bet they I can. I bet they can. Yeah. And it's just an exciting time. All the things that are happening at the pier, but a lot of new development, new product, new hotel development happening in the loop. Uh, it's really an exciting time. We've, we've had record-breaking success on the domestic side over the past seven years. Uh, we want to continue those efforts internationally. It just takes the right strategy in the right markets, uh, delivering the right message, and we think we're on that. And what's your biggest challenge? Well, our biggest challenge is telling, telling our story uh, internationally. Um, it, it all comes down to budget and really breaking through. I, I do think tour operators are looking for new destination and new products. So continuously uh, to uh, the budget to get our message out, to create new content. And, and we, have, we have the product. We just have to tell people about it. And that's and now our you got to get working challenge. on the trains. You've got to get working on the trains because... You know what? That's another great way to see Illinois. Well, we do. We have Amtrak service uh, goes to the west side of the state along the Mississippi River and down through Springfield to the Shawnee National Forest. But we do need to work on timing of those trains. If you are continuing on to another southwest destination, please make sure that you check the monitors inside the terminal for your proper gate and flight information. If you are continuing on with another airline, we really don't care. Attending the 50th anniversary, hard to believe, of the IPW, International Powwow, the, probably the largest travel trade show in the United States. Over 6,000 people here, buyers, sellers, providers, and even a few journalists. And uh, joining me now is one of those journalists. He's a uh, New York Times bestselling author of How to Travel the World on $50 a Day. Now, there's a book I still need to get. I, I have to learn from him. We, and, and, and welcoming him back on the show, actually in person, because normally we do this on the phone, Matt Kepnes. How are you, man? Thanks, Peter, for having me. I'm doing great. Yeah, of course, your website is nomadic. Matt, you travel everywhere. So based on the title of that book, right? I just have to ask the obvious question. How could anybody do anything on $50 a day? I mean, in Denver, it costs more than that just to wake up. Yes. Well, the $50 a day is, is really a worldwide average. Some places are more, some places are less. It's really about choosing and picking your battles and, and knowing where to spend money and how you're going to spend it per day. Some days you'll spend more on food. Some days you'll walk, you'll spend less. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing you're doing a lot of walking. I'm doing a lot of walking. <laughs> I'm a big fan of public transportation. A lot of it is accommodation. So staying in hostels or shared Airbnb or... And as long as you're not schlepping a lot of bags, you can do it. Yeah, I carry one carry-on backpack. I mean, for example, in New York, if I go from my apartment in New York City to Kennedy Airport, that's, if you add the tolls and the fare, you're at about $78, right? That exceeds your average right there. But if I take the subway and change two trains, I'm basically there for about six bucks. Yeah, exactly. So public transportation for the win, always. Okay. What's the most walkable city? I think Amsterdam is one of my favorite walkable cities because I have. But, yeah, but a... everybody in Amsterdam has a bicycle. Yeah. So I mean, really there are go. bikes everywhere. You got to really watch out for them. In fact, I was given a story once of I mean, a figure that that blew me away that the average citizen in Amsterdam has 2.2 bicycles. <laughs> they <laughs> I don't even have one. They got a backup. Yeah, I believe that. Haven't seen so many bikes. All right. So Amsterdam is the most walkable. Yeah. The least walkable. London. 
I think London is deceivingly big. I tried to walk it numerous times thinking, oh, it doesn't look too far on the map, and then two hours later, you're still halfway there. But very happy that you saved all that money. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very scenic walk. How do you find Denver? I love Denver. It's one of my favorite cities. They figured the out mass transit here, haven't they? Yeah. It's a completely gridded city. I mean, the air, you get a train from the airport downtown, right? Yeah. Uh, right across the, the convention. We're in the convention center right now. Right across from here, there's a light rail. It's right here. Yeah, it's a wonderful place. Great art scene, great food scene, great beer scene, and uh, not too far from the mountains. So basically, how do you do Denver on $50 a day just for beer? <laughs> <laughs> um, not really a big drinker, but I would say have one or two. And no, then... have a couple of friends who buy. Ah. <laughs> so I asked about the most walkable cities. Based on that $50 a day average, what's the most affordable city? I think the most affordable cities you really tend to find in Southeast Asia. You get most bang for your buck there. Uh, Bangkok. That's now you, now you yeah. hit my home run here because you yeah. know I also live in Bangkok. So me too. I, no, I spent two years living in Bangkok. I'm right on the river. There I'm right go. on the river. I was down on Sukhumvit near uh, Emporium. Okay, well you're on the Sukhumvit. I'm on across the Saton Bridge on Tonburi. Oh, there we go. There you go. So we'll have to catch up yeah. off air. But yeah. The point is, Bangkok never used to be the most gridable city in terms of mass transit. Although they have the rail now, um, it's a little easier to get in from the airport, not by train, but but they got the flyovers on the on on the highway. But at least in terms of the city, in terms of just what it costs you to live there. I mean, talk about a high standard of living and a low cost of living. Oh yeah, especially if you stick to the great street food styles. I mean, you can have a great meal for it. I always eat on the streets. Yeah. The only rule that I tell everybody is just make sure it's cooked. That's it. And if you're going to order a soft drink, you know, Americans always have to have their Diet mm-hmm. Coke. Don't have ice. Yeah. You know, and find out where the people are. Look for the busy stalls, especially when they have kids or older people, because then they tend to, they have more sensitive stomachs. So if they're eating there, they'll be good. Yeah, I, I just, I cannot get enough of the food there on the streets. Mm-hmm. I mean, amazing. Okay, so Bangkok is your numero uno. Yeah, and just that region in general. Uh, Cambodia is another great place where you can get a lot of bang for your buck. I think very underrated places where you get a lot of bang for your buck are also Central America, Peru is really good for bang for your buck. But what about hotel accommodations? Are you, you're not always in a hostel, are you? No, I tend to do more Airbnb these days. So I like getting a room in someone's place. That's usually pretty affordable. But um, what I've noticed about Airbnb, those, those prices are going up. Yeah, especially in really bigger cities. So, so what do you do then? Where, where are you staying here in Denver? Uh, I use hotel points to stay at the Aloft. So oh. I use a lot of points. Okay, um, but in order to use discuss. the points, you gotta earn the points. How are you earning the points? Uh, I do a lot of business spend, but also sign up bonuses and something called manufacturing spending through like travel hacking and so you're cards. one of the original like, hackers here. Yeah, you know, it's one of those like spend a lot of time, but for me, it's worth the reward. All right, so you got a free stay here, more or less a free stay here yeah. in Denver, right? Mm-hmm. And how are you spending? Okay, where's your fifty dollars going in Denver? Uh, well, best part of being in a conference is a lot of it is taken care of, but most of my fifty dollars has. I have a word for you: buffet. Buffet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's been to beer and some restaurants here and there. I got my flight for free on points. I got my hotel for free on points. Uh, so I I try to. But you realize there's a two hundred dollars surcharge for appearing on the show. Oh well, damn, sorry. There goes my budget. <laughs> Dang it. All right, well. No, but you had to do, but the the, the takeaway here is you had to do a lot of planning in advance to be able to pull that off. Yeah. So, you know, if you're going to Thailand, it's easy to spend $50 a day. You're going to India, like you're going to spend a lot less than 50 bucks. And if you're spending 50 bucks, it's going to, you're doing something wrong or you're having a very posh trip. But if you're going to Norway or Iceland, yeah. Norway, you you have to get an estimate for a Diet Coke. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is one expensive place. Yeah. And, you know, that takes a lot. Could you do it? Could you do Norway on $50 a day? You could, but you have 
have to camp the whole time. Uh, you probably have your own car. Which is really and, great in February. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. yeah. And you have to cook all your meals. And the question is, for many people, that's a dream trip. For most of us, you know, that's not a, a dream trip. So basically, yeah. we'll find you in Bangkok with looking at pictures of Norway. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I've hitchhiked in couchsurfs through Iceland. So that's part of the, how I have did Iceland. And the airfare budget. there is cheap. Yeah. Wow Air. I'm telling you, they've yeah. got it done. They've got it. All right. Um, so Bangkok, Southeast Asia, and then everything else on points. Yeah. Points will get you to where you need to be. Riding along in my automobile. My baby beside me at the wheel. Cruising and playing the radio. With no particular place to go. Audible.com has more than 150,000 titles and virtually every genre. So check it out for yourself. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. And joining me now is somebody who covers Denver business. In fact, he is Denver business. Ed Seelover from the Denver Business Journal. How are you, sir? Great. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, nice to see you again. The last time we did this, I think, was uh, from the Art Hotel. Yes, absolutely. Uh, which You're is, becoming uh, a regular around here. We, we, we appreciate I, it. I love it. I love it. So how is business these days? Business is booming in Denver, actually. The economy still continues to grow. And, and quite frankly, it's fascinating as someone who moved here 12 years ago uh, to see the world coming to Denver. That didn't happen in the mid-2000s. And this is just going to set a tone for even more business, hopefully, over the next three years. You know, going back to that movie, The Field of Dreams, and the famous line, if they build it, they will come, this convention center is massive. It is massive, and it is still growing. They're going to build a. Uh, they're going to add another fifty thousand square feet to it. They're going to build a rooftop deck as well, so people can go up there and have receptions and look out over the Rocky Mountains. They're really playing to become one of the choice places to have a convention in America. And they've got the space to do it. Yeah, absolutely. They planned ahead on this one. Uh, I think a lot of people are, are hoping they're going to start looking at building a second convention hotel downtown. Nothing's in the works yet, but uh, but the convention its center itself is growing well. Now. There's one thing to talk about growth in business, Ed, but there's another thing to talk about how do you manage that growth. So let's talk about that. So does that mean you've run into our transportation problems? <laughs> well, actually, I sort of like your transportation system here. I like the light rail. I like the way to get from the airport to downtown. I mean, to me, that I like the, the buses that get you to Lodo. I mean, so tell me what I'm missing. Uh, what you're missing is you probably haven't been out on the highways a lot, and that's where a oh, lot of I-70? people... I-70? Yes, I-70 yeah, well, into the mountains in particular. Well, let's yes. discuss I-70 in February. Good luck. <laughs> yes, yeah, and, and people are worried that it's starting to scare people away from going up to the ski resorts to pump so much into this economy. But that is the biggest problem with managing infrastructure right now. Could they, okay, stupid question, could they put in a light rail system from Denver to the ski resorts. They absolutely could, but the price tag is so high that no one seems willing to take that on right now or to figure out exactly where the money is going to come from for that. But yet, you know, the longer they wait, the more expensive it's going to get. Absolutely. But regardless, there's not money sitting around for that. And the legislature just approved a, uh, a $2.3 billion infusion into transportation this year that's going to partially tackle some of the problems on I-70 and I-25. And that's as big as people are willing to go so far. 
Okay, so that's one of the things. If you're going to come to Denver and you want to go to the ski resorts, be prepared for a longer ride than normal. I would just say uh, go up on Friday, come back on Monday. Take an extra day on either side, and it's a world of difference than going up Saturday morning or coming back Sunday afternoon. Yeah, no kidding. And, of course, the only railroads you'll see up there are the old historic railroads. Which are wonderful. I know. You can take those around as well. (laughs) But other than I-70, within Denver itself, i got to give you guys some, some high marks. Well, thank you. I mean, this is, uh, and it's funny that you were complimentary of the light rail into town. Not, not funny, I should say, but that's still an unknown product to many locals who, who we are in a Western city. They prefer their car. They prefer to get back and forth that way. Uh, I've heard a lot of compliments from people coming in, especially from foreign visitors uh, about the light rail. And I hope that it actually shines a little light on it and the ability to move people around and maybe pull some of those cars off roadways. You know, most foreigners know more about Denver than people in the United States know about Denver. <laughs> well, we're hoping so. I, I'm not sure that's entirely true. I think a lot of foreigners that I talk to, uh, you hear Ski Town, you hear uh, Western Town. I don't wild, think, Wild West. Right. I mean, I, I think a couple of the events that Mrs. Denver's put on has particularly highlighted our culinary scene. Maybe our beer scene's a little well-known already. Think, would you be a beer aficionado? I, I might be a beer aficionado. I might have given a, a tour of breweries to visiting journalists on Sunday at the convention. How many, how many breweries are there now in Denver alone? Uh, we're over 70, though nobody has an exact total. 70 in Denver alone? Yeah, 70 in Denver alone, probably about 120 in the metro area alone, 350 statewide. So for guys like me who go back to the days of Coors, right? <laughs> right. As the can... only Denver brewery, or the, actually the only Colorado brewery, because they're out in, uh, in Golden. Yes. Uh, t- you know, there's, there's a great story. When Nixon was president, I don't know if you've ever heard this story, but it's true. The Western White House was in San Clemente, California. Of course, he was out there all the weekends, just like Trump goes to Mar-a-Lago. And then he would fly Air Force One back to D.C. What a surprise. The plane would... This is 707. It had the range to go from California to Washington, D.C., no sweat. The plane would stop for refueling in Colorado. And you'll never guess why. Because in those days, Coors Beer was not distributed outside the state of Colorado. It was homegrown, home distributed. Air Force One would stop to stock up on Coors. I'm just surprised that you don't see more planes doing that to stock up on our local craft beers these days. I mean, Coors certainly had the mystique around it, yeah. uh, but but there are some places that people from across the country come to crave for here. Uh, you know, I could go really geeky places like Black Project that have lines of 50 people waiting for them at the Great American Beer Festival. And, and I'm, I'm and you would know that because you were one of those people in line. Uh, I'm at least counting the people in line and, and trying to get behind the line to try a sample. <laughs> So basically, business is booming, but beer is booming, too. Beer is booming. Uh, distilleries are booming. You know, we don't talk about that a lot. We now have 91 craft distilleries in Colorado, largest number of any state in the country. Hello, and welcome to Alaska Flight 438. We'd like to tell you now about some important safety features of this aircraft. The most important safety feature we have aboard this plane is the flight attendants. Please look at one now. But I would walk by Joining us on this segment, an old friend of the show, one of America's premier travel bloggers, he told me to say that, Johnny Jett. How are you, man? Good. How are you doing? Now, every time I get you on the show, you know, because you are always cutting edge. I mean, last night at dinner, you gave me an app I didn't know I could get. Now I have it. 
called what my radar uh, well my radar for weather yeah yeah you like dark sky which i like is, dark which, sky which is a good weather app but my radar my radar is even better because the pilots use it and you can really pinpoint where the thunderstorms are one time i was in delray beach florida and i was sitting outside having having breakfast and i saw thunderstorms out there and i was like should i be worried and i looked at my radar and sure enough i could see it just 10 miles away, I was like, I'm okay for a little while, and I was. And otherwise, I would have just got up. So, you and know, went what I like about Dark Sky is it'll give you an alert saying, rain will start in seven minutes. And right. you go, oh, stop. And seven minutes later, it starts. And then it goes, rain will stop in four minutes. You go, really? Yeah. And it stops. Well, well, I don't get those alerts. I think I got to turn that back see? on. See? You, you have to have the professional model. Oh, you see, I didn't pay for that. Ah, you see, that's right. <laughs> All right. But you always have the newest apps. What else you got? So, actually, for a website, by the way, how do you rent cars? Do you ever rent cars, by the way? All the time. So, this Auto Slash, have you used them? No. So, Auto Slash, what you do is you go onto their website and they'll ask you where you're renting the car. All these different questions, like which credit cards do you hold? Do you have Costco? For rental cars? Not really. They're a little bit different because um, they actually use Priceline. They have some kind of incredible deal with Priceline. But you put in all the information they want. And by the way, Priceline has always been the secret for rental cars, right? Because hotels is one thing. You know, look, if the car's got four tires, an engine, and it's not jacked up on the East River Drive, I'm renting it. Yeah, and I used to do that with Priceline. You know, doing the blind bid, I would go to Hertz. Dot com and it would say that it was $80 for a day. Then I'd go to Priceline, put in a blind bid, I'd get it for $20 a day, and it was Hertz. So you just never know. But with AutoSlash, you fill in all the information, and then 15 minutes later, they email you. And then the email says, you know, click this link, and you click it, and it's all stuff from Priceline, but the prices are half of what everyone else is. And Do you know, I, do you know the company at that point, or it's uh, still opaque? No, it tells you. No, it tells you the company. Oh, really? So usually it's either budget or national. I mean, it, it varies depending on the destination. So that's auto slash. Auto slash, and I, I really like that. And I, I actually used it for this week. I'm going to be running a car now for airfares. I mean, I'm still using Momondo. Yep, Momondo's I, great. The Danish for, for company both, for people. Yeah, they're based in Denmark, and they're like searching six to seven hundred websites of airlines you've never even heard of. Yep. Especially if you're traveling overseas or intra Europe. What I like about Momondo, especially for Europe. Let's say you're in London and you're just saying, I want to go to Paris. They will tell you, don't fly, take the train. Right. And they'll tell you how much time you'll save, what the prices are. And a lot of these other websites do not do that, but Momondo does. By the way, anybody who flies from London to Paris <laughs> is living in the 50s. Yeah. Um, what's interesting to me now is Eurostar has now got nonstop fast service from not just London to Paris. They have London to Brussels, and they just started London Bordeaux. to Amsterdam. I think Bordeaux, too. Yeah, I mean, very cool stuff. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I haven't done it in a few years, but I loved it when I took it. All right, what else do you have up for business? Um, how about... I have a baby now. You know that? Yeah. Tell me, you got that online? Yeah, I got the baby online. You know, you just go to this it's one website. Baby Slash? No, you go to Match.com. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know exactly how you got the baby, because I was one of the people who insisted that you marry the woman you married. Yes, she's the most incredible. Yes, she is. Uh, Nellie Descala, follow her. Natalie, yeah, follow her on social media. But there's a c- website called Bar- Baby Years. B- baby a- what? Baby Years, like concierge. Oh, but baby Years. B- B-A-B-I-E-R-G-E. And, you know, as you're the one that taught me to do carry-on only. Yeah. But it's very difficult when you have a baby. Although, if you use this company, they will provide everything you need. So we flew up to Seattle one time just with carry-on only. And in our room was, was the baby food, the diapers. Oh, it was already there. Everything. The crib. So you don't have to schlep it. You don't have to schlep anything. So we didn't, we didn't check bags that trip. It's, it's not cheap because let's say you want a high chair. It's like $5 a day. But wait a second. It's not how much it costs. It's how much it's worth. 
Exactly. And I think, you know, learning from you that carry on is the way to go because you can be flexible. You can take public transportation. Well, I also FedEx my bags. Let's, let's be honest. I haven't checked a bag domestically in a long time. You FedEx at ground or? No, no I, I FedEx at air, but three days in advance. And how much? That's air is expensive. No, no, I'm a volume user. But you know what I don't like about that is that some of these hotels now charge a receiving fee. Not to me, they don't because I bust them for that. Look, I checked into a hotel. And I talked about this the other night at dinner. I'll, I'll talk about it now. I'm a big fan of, of, of failure to disclose, meaning don't do it, because I'll nail you, right? So I'm checking into a hotel. I'll name it, Trump National in Doral, yep. Florida. And what do they ask for when you check into a hotel? Can we see your ID? No problem. It's me. Can we see a credit card? Give them the credit card. What do they not tell you? They're blocking charges. And I said, you're blocking charges, aren't you? Yeah. Were you going to tell me? Well, no. I said, well, that's your first mistake. Yeah. Now, how much are you, are you blocking a day? 150 a day. I'm saying, for people who have a preset spending limit on their credit card, you just maxed out their entire credit line. Yeah. If they're staying for a week, that's almost $1,000. I said, no, you're not. No, you're not. Get me the manager here. I want them to explain this policy. I'm happy to give you my credit card. Right. But, and if I go nuts on the mini bar, you may charge me for that $18 bottle of water. But the point is, I'm not going to do this. So the general manager comes over. Actually, it was the hotel manager on duty. And I said, can you explain this? He says, no, it's just our policy. He said, that's not good enough. I said, if you tell me the speed limit's 65 miles an hour, and I ask you why, and you tell me, hey, we've done the research, and it's 66 miles an hour, you're going to die a fiery death, great. Thank you for telling me I'm driving 50. Yeah. But if I ask you to explain the 65-mile-an-hour speed limit, and your answer to me is because or it's our policy, my speed armor is going to be hitting 80 real fast because you didn't make your case. He couldn't make the case. So, so did he charge you? Oh, I told him, you charge me. Let me tell you why I'm here. I'm here to give the keynote speech on hotel service to about 6,000 travel agents. You're my opening remarks. By the way, that's not a threat. That's a promise because this just happened to me. He said, I'm sorry, it's our policy. I said, it's my policy too. Now, I mentioned it in the speech. Oh, and what a surprise. I just mentioned it on the air. We've been talking with Johnny Jet, johnnyjet.com, the famous blogger who's uh, been doing this for how many years now? A long time, 20 long, years. And he still gets carded at bars, so you go figure it out. <laughs> but he always comes on the show and gives you websites and apps we didn't know about, so I'm all ears. So this one's, I have two apps right now for people who are either live in New York City or who are visiting New York. So one, one is called getout.com. No, no, no. no. <laughs> uh, this one is for people who are taking either Long Island Railroad or Metro North. Oh, I, you told me about This is so cool. Yeah, this was, this is, so this one is, it's the MTA uh, app. And, and by the way, what Johnny's talking about, if you're, if you're taking Metro North or the Long Island Railroad, the last thing you want to do is stand in line to get a ticket. The last thing you want to do is go to one of those ticket machines, half of which never work. Right. Uh, this is something you just do on your, online. You do. And you know what? If you don't go, if you don't buy your ticket in advance, they charge you extra on the train. They, well, they've done that for years. Yeah. Right. But, yeah. a lot, but a lot of uh, visitors don't know that. So you download this app and you can buy the tickets in advance right on the phone. And you can even do it. I learned about it last week when I was in New York and my buddy was on the train. And also the conductor comes by to grab the ticket. He's like, oh, I forgot to buy my ticket. And he did it right there. And you can, once you validate it, uh, you have two hours to use it. And, and it's, it just saves you so much time and it saves you money because you don't get charged last minute on the train. And you don't have to wait in these long lines that are in Grand Central Terminal. Okay, or at Penn Station. Yeah, or Penn Station. Yeah, okay, thank so you. There's, there you go. What's it called again? This one's MTA ETIX. It's on iOS and Android. It's free, obviously, to download. It doesn't have the greatest reviews because people are upset because they don't show the schedule on there. But you can just buy your tickets. I know. So they do need to uh, work on... See, I'm old school. I'll find the schedule, and then I hit print. Yeah. I want that in my hand. I got you. Okay. So the other one, this one's called New York Subway MTA Map. 
So what I like about this is you download this app. Again, it's on iOS and Android. It's free. It tells you when the train's going to show up. That's called Never.com. Never.com, yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Funny. Yeah. Um, but, you know, actually a couple weeks ago, it was, it was 90 degrees in New York City, unseasonably hot. And we were down there for 10 minutes. And my buddy's like, why don't you just use this app? It tells you when the train's coming so you can stay upstairs and then go down two minutes before so you don't have to wait in these hot subway stations or freezing cold in the wintertime. Exactly. So that's what I like about this. And by this. the way, let's give a shout out to the New York City subway system in one respect. You can get anywhere you need to go on the subway in New York. Mm -hmm. And now the new Second Avenue subway is a dream. I mean, you could literally... Uh, from my apartment on 96th Street, if I didn't have any bags, which I usually don't, I can take you know, a couple of trains and I'm at Kennedy. Yeah. And I, who I, wants to get stuck on the Van Wick Expressway? I wish they had one train, though, to Kennedy. Well, be happy they have any train to Kennedy. Yeah, because taking the E train, Remember, the air train. This was part of the master plan in 1957. They just had to figure out how to make it work later on, which is the easiest thing not to do. Right. Do you ever think they will have one train? Uh, no, and I'll tell you why. You know, we talk about Elon Musk and what he's trying to do in California with the tube. Right. Here's the problem. Will the technology be there? Yes. Will the technology be supported? Yes. Is it feasible? You bet. Here's the problem. It's called right-of-way. So if I want to go from L.A. to San Francisco on the train in this tube, I have to get every mayor along the way to give me the rights through their city council to have that train go through. You know what they're going to say? You can have the rights, but it's got to stop in San Jose. It's got to stop in Fresno. It's got. Next thing you know, it's not an express. It's a local. So the only the only way they're going to be able to do this is to have two trains, one for schleppers, yep. right for the local, and one that is completely nonstop. And if they don't do it that way, it will it will fail miserably because it it will defeat the purpose. Look at what happens now with Amtrak on the Northeast Corridor. You, know, you have the Acela, which actually arrives in Washington D.C. Assuming it's on time, only about 28 minutes ahead of the Northeast Regional. The Acela is three, three to four times as expensive, and there's no guarantee it's ever going to be on time. Yeah. And it's not high speed. Right. It makes you think it's high speed. I'd never take the Acela unless someone else is paying, because it's, it's not worth it, the 28 minutes. There's a branding message for Amtrak right there. <laughs> take the Acela only if someone else is paying. That's right. All right, what else you got? All right, so have you ever gone to a city and you're just there for a few hours, but you don't want to schlep your bags around? Right. So there's an app and a website called Luggage Hero. I know you're going to like this I, one. I'm already liking it. So it, there are 250 locations now. It was founded in Copenhagen again in 2016. You can just, they'll tell you the places that will store your bag. Usually it's a dollar an hour or $2, depending on the city. And you can store it. And, and there's insurance on them. And obviously you don't ever want to put anything really valuable in them. But this was a great way to sightsee. Sure. Or go to your meetings and, and not look anytime like you can minimize the schlep factor, I'm in. Yeah, and so luggage hero. Luggage hero, okay. I love it. And there's actually a couple other ones um, for different cities, but there's one called Knock Knock City. Uh, Knock Knock City. Yep, that's 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 the website. Verto V E R T O E. What, the same for the same deal? Yeah, they're, they're, some of them have some are just like this one's called Nanny Bag. This is for overseas, um, but Luggage Hero is for the U.S. But and Nanny Bag, if you want to leave your if you want to leave your bags overseas. Well, if you're trying, let's say you're going to London or, right. yeah, same kind of thing. And if you're a member of the Kali Cartel, you, uh, it works great. Well, then you really get it. Okay. All right. Okay, give me one more. All right, one more. I, I got to get a good one for you because, you, do you play golf? I drive a mean cart. You drive a mean cart? Yeah. Um, well, there's, there's an app called Golf Now app, and this gives you cheaper tee times. I mean, cheaper tee um, fees. Than, it, than you can and online and, and, and locations. Uh, supposed to be up to 80% cheaper on some of them. Well, you know, let's, let's really call this what it is. There are a lot of municipal golf courses in America that don't get the proper shout outs. Right. They're actually quite good.
right. and, and, and everybody else is you know, lining up to, to, to play another course where they're getting hosed in fees and wait times. Right. Um, you know what I loved about playing golf in Japan, by the way, is that they, the golf carts, they're, they're driverless. That was the first time I've seen that. And I guess they have it all around Japan. I was like, well, you see, that's you bring up a very interesting point because when we talk about driverless technology, where you're going to see it implemented successfully, not where they're going to still have accidents or they have to deal with the liability issues or the moral choices that they still cannot program these cars to make. Let's be honest. On closed courses, senior citizens' uh, resorts or homes, um, golf courses. When you're on a closed course. The bottom line is you can program these cars to do exactly what they're supposed to do with a minimal of, of, of a liability issue and a minimum of safety issue, and people love them. You still got to get used to it because you're not used to not being in control. Right. Yeah, it, it was it was something. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, if you, but check out Golf Now app. It's 6,000 courses and golf clubs and resorts, U.S. and internationally. Wow. Do you play golf? I do, but um, not very good. But now you can get a tea time. I, well, I, I can get it for cheaper. Okay. What's been the most surprising app you've discovered, let's say, in the last year? The one that's, that really has changed the way you travel. Wow. I don't, that changes the way I travel? Yeah. I, it's not really surprising, but I use Waze a lot. Even when I'm in a taxi, just to make sure that I'm, I'm in a foreign city and the, and the taxi drivers aren't taking me for a ride. So I know the fastest way to get there. Wait a second. You're still taking taxis? Once in a great while. Usually I'm taking a ride share like Uber or Lyft. Look, I'm all in favor of people keeping their jobs. But if the taxi ride from my house in New York to Kennedy with toll is $80 and the Uber ride is 59 right. and the Uber gets there in three minutes, right. how does a taxi compete? It's difficult. But there's some cities that don't have it. And so that's well, why. Well, overseas, the unions are very strong. Yep. And you know, in France and in London, they, they've gone out of their way. There's sort of Uber service in London called Halo, which I've used. And it works. I mean, it really works. Yep. And that's the, that's the British version before Uber got to London, right. that's what they were doing. But they kicked Uber out of London, but hopefully they were going to bring right. it back. Because, I, I mean, I love Uber. But the other problem with Waze, let's, let's call it what it is. We've seen this happen now in, in communities in New Jersey and some communities in California. They were taking people through residential neighborhoods that were really driving the people in those little communities nuts. And I don't blame them. You've been listening to Peter Greenberg Worldwide. Catch us each week as we broadcast from a new location somewhere around the world. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Survivor's back and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist, a new co-host, the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares. Hi! Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings early and ad-free on Wondery Plus.